it's time to buckle up for a new episode and a new year of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. Welcome back, everyone. It is a new year. I hope you're all rested and recharged and ready for everything that 2024 is bringing to all of us and the nonprofit space. It's been a tough couple of years for sure. We know that, but I feel good about 2024. I don't know how you all feel. Hopefully you're feeling the same way, but we are going to kick things off this year with the fundraising outlook as we do every year. And it seems a little weird to me that we're talking about it because it feels just like a couple of days ago that we were talking about the 2023 study. And here we are, fast forward, we're going to talk about the 2024 study. I have some of my colleagues here to um, give a little assist and take a deep dive. So please welcome to Raise Nation Radio, or I should say welcome back because they're familiar faces, um, familiar voices on the show. Sarah Sebastian, our Director of Corporate Communications, and Steve Lausch, our Director of Product Marketing. Happy New Year, Steve and Sarah. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting. Weren't we just here like a couple of days ago talking about the 2023 Fundraising Outlook study and report? And here we are doing the same thing. It's like, did 365 days pass already? It is amazing how quickly the years pass now. But here we are, 2024, with a great new study, as you said, Don. Yeah, so I'm excited. You know, I, I look forward to this every year. I look forward to geeking out with you guys. Um, but there, it's possible that some of our audience might not know um, as much about the study. Well, you know what? Time out. I, I think the whole world knows Steve uh, Lausch and Sarah Sebastian. But why don't we pause for just a second? Let's give just a quick introduction so that you can get to know our audience and our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sarah, can we start with you? Oh my goodness. All right. About me. Sure. Certainly. Uh, As Dawn already mentioned, Director of Corporate Communications here at One Cause. I think my two-year anniversary is coming up in April of next year. Uh, Wait, this year. Yes, April. And um, I've been in the fundraising tech industry for almost a decade now. When you talk about time flying, like that is time flying to me. I can't believe that. Am I really this old right now? A little bit outside of work. I'm known as the crazy bird lady on our team. Uh, I think I share a little bit of that with Steve, though. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to turn it over to him to tell him, tell everybody about himself a little bit here. Yes, we got a couple a couple fan bird watchers uh, here on the podcast today. But uh, yes, yeah, Steve Lausch, Director of Product Marketing here at One Cause, been here about six and a half years and uh, the same amount of time in the world of nonprofits. And it's so good to be here. I say this all the time. It's so good to be here. I've been in um, the world of tech another 20 years prior to coming to One Cause, but nothing so fulfilling as working with nonprofits who are changing the world every day. So it's great to be here, Don. Thank you. I love your I love your passion. I think we're all so passionate about what we do here and helping nonprofits grow their impact. So let's jump right into the fundraising outlook report. So um 
I know I look forward to it every year. Some of our audience members may not be familiar. So Steve, I'm going to direct this question to you. Can you give us the background about the report and how long it's been in play and why do we do this here at One Cause? Yeah, uh, I love answering this question. Uh, number one, I know there are data geeks who are listening to us today and you're just a shoe in for this kind of stuff. You love this stuff. You look forward to it. But I actually want to speak to the audience that maybe is like, uh, do I want to listen to the rest of this podcast? The answer is yes, because what this uh, survey, which has yielded this report, the fundraising outlook report captures is so much strong, relevant information for your nonprofit practically in 2024. So Don, to answer your question, this is the sixth year of developing this study and uh, the fourth year of releasing the data from that study as our annual fundraising outlook report. Uh, we launch it every year at our RAISE conference, which is, uh, if you haven't learned about the RAISE conference yet, that's for another conversation, but you got to check that out. Um, but the survey was about a month in market, self-reported by nonprofits. And this year we had 939 unique nonprofits of all shapes, of all sizes, of all segments, from those who uh, are completely volunteer led to those that are maybe large national organizations, all speaking into this, self-reporting their data. Um, and, and I can tell you, Don, we've had 27% uh, of our respondents this year as executive directors, another 29 as development directors and vice presidents in development, 16% uh, event directors. And so we really have strong voices speaking into this data. We know we have it from the right people across the industry. And I'll even throw this in here real quick. 85% of those that responded have some level of influence in making technology purchase decisions. They may be the, the one that pulls the trigger on tech. Uh, they may be a voice that influences that decision, but 85 out of 100 respondents uh, have a very strong presence in how tech will support and further the mission at their nonprofit. So it's a fantastic survey for our listeners to, to dive into. For sure. I love the mix too, because it's really representing the entire sector. It's not just one particular segment where any of our audience members might say, oh, this doesn't apply to me. It's a great mix and it does apply to you. So we're going to keep going. I am dying to hear. I got a little sneak preview, but I want more. Um, just Sarah, I'm going to turn this one over to you if you don't mind. Just give us an overview, just the key findings and an over. I know there's a lot there, but let's start mm -hmm. with a good overview. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think we can go into a couple first and I'll probably just kind of flow into a natural conversation the way we have this kind of set up, like the way we wrote our key findings. So feel free to pop in and ask questions along the way. Um, first of all, I know I don't have to tell the audience this event and online fundraising, they're instrumental to nonprofit success. We've seen that in studies in the past years. It's no different this year. It remains absolutely vital to success, especially for those smaller nonprofit organizations. 60% uh, of nonprofits overall in the survey said that they raised 21% or more of their annual operating revenue from that event and online fundraising. Uh, and that goes up to around 70% when you're looking at those organizations that are smaller with AORs below $1 million. 
Uh, and what's interesting uh, is that this year, it seems that those smaller organizations fared a little bit better than their larger counterparts when it comes to fundraising performance. I'll just add a little bit of color here on that point. I think it's really important to, to note um, that those medium and large organizations saw anywhere from a five to seven point change in the number of organizations that were reporting, hey, we raised less than we anticipated in 2023. And if you go to the very top, uh, so to speak, of the, of the uh, sector with those mega organizations, those very large uh national organizations with annual operating revenues over 50 million, fewer were reporting that they raised more than they budgeted this year. That stat was actually down seven points. So it's those smaller ones that are faring better. Hmm. Okay. Wow. I'm surprised by that. I have to admit that the smaller organizations fared better. I would think that that it would typically be the opposite. So any insight Sarah, if you want to comment on what might be different this year. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, like as I was kind of going through and writing this, I thought back to our giving experience study uh, from earlier this year. That's our study that we do every spring where we ask donors um, about their generosity motivators um, and various types of giving. Um, and in that report, we saw a shift back to mission-centered giving. And I've been reading a lot about this kind of across the industry. It's been a topic. Um, so being connected to an organization's mission was one of the top generosity motivators reported by donors. It's why they were giving. They were connected to an organization's mission. And that may be translating into people supporting those local, smaller organizations where they can really see the direct impact of a nonprofit's mission right there in their own communities. Um, we asked the question, what makes you trust nonprofits that you donate to? And in those answers, we saw a lot of impact, including the words community impact. It popped up really frequently. And from personal experience, at least in my area, and I'm, I'm in Florida in a town kind of in between Tampa and Orlando, uh, I've seen an increase in support for a lot of smaller organizations, some grassroots organizations in my area, uh, whether that's in the form of volunteering uh, donations or even mutual aid, folks handing things out directly uh, to members of the community. So it's been something I've kind of seen a shift uh, in my own life too. And Don, um, you know, looking at some related stats here, I can throw in, we also found that nonprofits are feeling a lot more confidence, regardless of, of how they performed in 23. They're looking forward to uh, choosing that event format, be it in person, virtual, hybrid, and how they're going to execute that in 24. So a quick stat. Uh, just to start, 83% of respondents plan to hold an in-person event next year. So this year in the study, only 11% were unsure if they would even hold a, an in-person or hybrid event, which I don't know how that hits people, but, but relative to last year, that's a big change. That's a huge change because last year, those numbers were double. There were in the 20s saying, look, one in five nonprofits, we're not even sure that we're going to hold an event. So you can even see that long tail effect of the pandemic um, from 22 into 23, but that's going away 23 into 24. I'll also note, uh, we also saw that nonprofits who employed either an all in-person strategy or a mix of virtual and in-person fundraising for their events were more likely to be among those 
who hit or exceeded uh, those fundraising um, goals um, over those that uh, that didn't hold events or held only virtual events. And there's always a re- there, you know, there's often reasons why either uh, supporter populations or particular nonprofits in the sector might say, hey, we need to hold a virtual only uh, uh, event. But if you can, I think the big takeaway is this, Don, if our listeners can get back into the ballroom, get back in person, yes, extend that to your virtual audiences via a hybrid engagement, but absolutely uh, go through uh, that in-person experience and offer that. It's likely to hit your budget in a very, very positive way. Yeah, I love hearing this because um, I think for two reasons. One, I love the, to see the in-person back in play in in a big way. That's just um, heartwarming. You know, we're, we were so disconnected and that's going to bring those deeper connections back. But uncertainty can be paralyzing for sure. And just to see that confidence and at least I know what I'm doing. All right, now we're going to get better and do it right. But at least we know what we're doing instead of having uncertainty, which is not a good place to be in. So were there any types of fundraising events that maybe stood out as the clear winners in those success rates? Because we're talking about hybrid, virtual, in-person, but what stood out as the clear winners? Steve, do you want to continue your commentary with that one? Yeah. Yeah, And we, and I love that you asked about this, Don, because year over year for the last six years that we've been running this uh, survey, holding this survey, we do ask nonprofits about specific uh, success ratings they would place on particular types of fundraising Mm -hmm. strategies, different campaigns, different types of software, different types of of engagements with our audiences. And then we also ask about challenges, which I think we're getting to in a little bit. But in terms of the successes, in-person auction events, were fantastic in 2023. Uh, oh, golf outings, also the, among the strongest performers, same as last year. Um, in fact, respondents uh, more than half rated in-person auctions as very successful. So that's that's the top echelon of all potential uh, ways that a respondent could, could answer. I can touch briefly on the fact that we're still seeing... Um, uh, or we're seeing in golf outings, maybe a little bit of some very uh, variation. Uh, they still demonstrate a high return on investment, no doubt, but there was a seven point decrease in the number of nonprofits that describe them as very successful. So we'll keep an eye on that. Folks did report in the giving experience that Sarah mentioned just a few minutes ago um, in that in that spring study uh, that that they were experiencing lower levels of overall event satisfaction. So we'll keep an eye on things like um, golf outings, ways that we can inject new life into these events, maybe what they need to kind of boost those those successes and those ratings back up to where they were. Uh, so when we take the survey next year. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I know that um, from a content perspective, we get a lot of hits on any content that we put out on executing, you know, golf tournaments and outings. So please visit onecause.com, the resource section, type in golf. And if you're looking to infuse new energy, hopefully there's some content there that could um, help help you out. But um, it's so, so, so interesting. So let's keep going. Um, you're right, Steve, we are going to move into the challenges. So we're going to go from standout to challenges and um, just run us through maybe the top challenges that 
the non the the survey showed that um, they were facing uh, in 2023. Sarah, why don't you kick us off there? Yeah, sure. I think first you kind of have to think about how 2023 went down. Um, it was really a year again of mm-hmm. economic uncertainty. Will there be a recession? Will there not be a recession? Who even knows anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a rare decline in individual giving as reported in Giving USA. And the top challenges that nonprofits faced were really tied to sustainability and donor sentiment. Nonprofits want to feel secure, and it seems like donors are tired. Mm. And, and Sarah's absolutely right. And, and that is seen in the ratings of the way that nonprofits rated these challenges. So if you consider all the respondents who rated challenges as the top need critical or a concern or maybe a little lesser, what was called somewhat a problem. So critical, a concern, or somewhat a problem. Over 80% of respondents, uh, the top six challenges were donor fatigue, donor engagement, recurring giving, year-over-year growth, sponsor acquisition and sponsor management, and donor retention. So there's a lot there, but yes, tied directly to that sustainability, donor sentiment. Uh, Let me take this just one step further. If you consider just those respondents where the nonprofit said, hey, these are our top concerns, like they are critical, then we're dealing with recurring giving, year-over-year growth, and donor fatigue. Those are the big ones that really stand out, especially as you look across all nonprofits, across all annual operating revenue strata. So recurring giving, year over year growth and donor fatigue. Okay. Lots of, yeah, that's a lot to overcome. So good thing we're in the beginning of the new year. So maybe we can prioritize some strategies is did the study um, show us anything? What, what the plan is, what are fundraisers planning to do? Um, If we could air some of those things out, perhaps we can help some of our audience members um, prioritize their own strategies. Steve, got anything there for us? Yes, yes. Great. In fact, they're prioritizing donor acquisition and retention. No surprise okay. there, right? We yeah. got to do both. We got to bring in new donors into the family and we have to keep more of our existing giving base. 95% of nonprofits said this is the top priority. And that was followed pretty closely by increasing funds from existing campaigns, finding out how to do more with what we have already in play. And I'll throw in one other stat, and then Sarah will have some some uh, great insight on this as well. But we'd like to see uh, we we liked that we saw eighty two percent of nonprofits still willing to experiment with new ways to fundraise, and I love that because when when we are strapped for time and we're strapped for resources, it's hard to take off. Um, what what is the let me say it's it, it it's not our first inclination to push on the wall and and think outside the box a little bit more but that may very well be what we need to help with that donor acquisition piece to bring in new people to bring in new donors into the into the giving family so uh sarah anything you want to add on this yeah sure i i think i always find it just a little sad to see donor fatigue so highly on the challenges Mm -hmm. and then donor acquisition at number one, really closely tied to that. Yes, of course you want to acquire new donors, but I do think there's for a lot of nonprofits, I think there's still some ripple effects from the pandemic in place, especially when it comes to donor acquisition and 
they might not realize it, there was that really big surge for many organizations uh, with new donors coming in. And things are now really getting back to those pre-pandemic norms. Um, I think a lot of nonprofits kind of feel like they're falling behind when really things beyond their control are just getting back to normal. And I know we keep talking about the giving experience, but it's just kind of validating some of these things that we saw. We saw uh, social giving, like giving to events, uh, giving days, auctions, peer-to-peer. That went up during the pandemic. And then in our most recent study, it was right back down to that pre-pandemic norm, like the exact same number. So it's just kind of leveling itself back out in a lot of areas. Um, But there are some of those macroeconomic trends that are kind of piling on top of that that are probably making people feel a little nervous. But I'm going to say something, Sarah, that I've heard you say before, and I'm going to say it here. Engaged donors are not fatigued donors. So there's this mm-hmm. illusion of fatigue, perhaps because we're not engaging our donors, we're not staying as connected as, as we could or should be. So, hey, they're not giving up to where we're hoping. So my encouragement, Don, for your listeners is that they keep talking, keep engaging, keep building those relationships. That illusion of fatigue may not be the reality that is thought. And mm-hmm. perhaps therein lies the key to year-over-year growth recurring giving and the the uh, sustainability that nonprofits are looking to build in 24. Yeah, keep on keeping. Um, tough challenges. And I agree with you, Sarah. It's sad, the, the donor fatigue. We don't we don't want to see that. So trying something new, maybe thinking out of the box, all um, good takeaways from some of the reporting that we're seeing. All right. A little somber there uh, to talk about challenges, but can we move into something brand new and exciting and something that, oh my goodness, I'm going to be tracking for the next couple of years. Dare I mention hot topic, artificial intelligence in the world of AI. I feel like at one point I never heard of artificial intelligence and tools like chat GPT. And then all of a sudden it's all I hear every day, all day. So did the study cover anything like with hot topics, with the exploration of AI in our nonprofit work? And has it all being navigated? Big question there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, it's being navigated with a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, just we asked for the first time this year about this, and it was a lot of fun to kind of see those responses. A lot of nonprofits are seeing the potential benefits. 41% of folks who um, took part in the survey said that they do think Uh, AI is going to greatly benefit the nonprofit sector. And then 36% said that they they do believe it's going to directly impact their fundraising strategies. But there are still a lot of people, they they either don't know how they're going to use it or even how to get started with it. Um, And then 43% said, you know, the age old problem, we don't have the time, we don't have the money to implement AI. Hmm. That uncertainty piece, Don, is huge that Sarah just talked about. I, I wish there was a way I could show you the, the data visualization, the chart uh, here on the podcast. But, you know, I guess I guess our listeners are just going to have to go download the report. Right. But if they could see that, they could see that, yes, we have those that agree or strongly agree with a particular area of AI. But, man, there is an uncertainty piece that is just massive across uh, all of the different questions that we ask. People are not really sure what's going to happen. And I'll give you two stats. 65% 
weren't sure if this would and how this would impact donor privacy. So is AI gonna, going to bring us benefit, but then kind of uh, catch us uh, on the backside with, with donor privacy issues? And 67% showed uncertainty with how it could change oversight in the sector. So maybe there's more go- government oversight that will co- come because of this uh, technology taking a greater hold into how we do things every day. Well, I find this whole um, a- adaptation of artificial intelligence just so intriguing. I wish we almost had a crystal ball so we can see the 2025 fundraising outlook. I have a funny feeling we're going to see some swing in numbers. Um, but did you? how much did we garner out of this report? Was there anything else in the study that surprised you? Mine's going to tie right back into AI. I can tell you that. Um, okay, good. <laughs> For me, it was that only 10% of nonprofits reported using AI in their fundraising. Um, But I thought about that and it really did kind of make sense to me. I think there's maybe a definition of AI problem here. I don't Mm. think that a lot of nonprofits really know or think that they are using artificial intelligence when they actually are. So if you kind of stop and think outside of fundraising for a second, um, like I had to stop and think about how I use it in my daily life and I don't even realize it. If you use Google Translate, you're using artificial intelligence. If you're talking to Siri on your phone, it's artificial intelligence. Netflix uses AI to recommend content based on your preferences. So these things have kind of become so embedded in our daily lives. They're just a thing we do um, without any extra effort. It just happens. Um, So we don't really even recognize that they're AI. And I think that may be happening in fundraising a little bit too. Um, We released something last year, uh, Auction AI, a couple of features. One piece that recommends auction lots or auction items to bidders based on behavior, and then one that generates item descriptions. And it's not something that you have to have an extra skill set to do. You don't have to put a lot of effort into it. It just happens. It's part of our software. It does the work for you. Uh, And I think that right now with chat GPT being so prevalent, um, I bet a lot of folks, myself included, when it first came out, you think about how you have to perfectly craft these prompts to get what you really want out of chat GPT. And that can take a lot of work to really kind of get like what you're looking for, the end goal. Um, But the main benefit of AI, the point is to really make things faster, easier without needing those extra skills. Um, And there are a lot of things out there that are like that. And you just don't think about it as AI anymore. It becomes habit. So I think there's some education, a little bit of a mental shift that does need to happen around AI Mm -hmm. so that people don't think it's this thing they have to, you know, be an expert in to have it. Or be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Steve, anything to add there? I I have to agree with Sarah on the AI piece. I mean, that's something that I'm going to want to watch. I know we're all interested in watching year over year. So many of these questions that we ask in the, that come out in the fundraising outlook uh, are based on year over year trends. So AI will absolutely be a part of that in the 2024 survey and the 2025 report. Um, But mine, I would say, Don, mine is not a a, a surprise per se. You asked about a surprise, but I I found some good news. I found uh, uh, among good news throughout the report, I found one point particularly encouraging. I want to go back to the subject of challenges, right? Nonprofit challenges. We talked about that. So one of the things I have enjoyed doing just because I'm a data geek uh, over the years is I take all of the relative ratings of every challenge across the board in a given year. And I come up with an overall average of like a rate, if you will, of challenge for any given year. And that number had been increasing year over year 
since the move from 2019 to 2020. We all know what happened there in March of 2020. So when we when we saw the fundraising outlook uh, and the numbers come out, there was a lot of stress and a lot of weight and a lot of challenge on the sector. That relative overall average only got worse as you move from 20 to 21. And yet again, mm. higher and heavier 21 to 22. But guess what happened this year? It changed. This year, that average for the first time has gone down, has started to trend down. And albeit not without challenges, right? Uh, we're still facing those challenges of year-over-year growth, recurring giving, donor fatigue, et cetera. But this is another indication that I believe nonprofits, you're listening today, you're faring better, the future is bright. Uh, we're, we're, we're coming out of, of some years that have been truly challenging and we can get down to work on the stuff that we can change and we can impact and we can make choices in our strategy and our execution that will really impact our missions. Yeah. I think that's why I love, um, our outlook fundraising outlook study and its report and the giving experience study, because it just gives us some data behind the decisions, you know, that we make. And I think I said this at the top of this particular podcast that I'm encouraged about 2024, you know, as you mentioned that the, this is the first year that this average has gone down for the first time since, you know, the pandemic. So um, yeah, 2024, I think is going to be a good year. And Steve, you also mentioned about the visuals and the charts and the graphs and all those good things. You know, I love this format because we're being casual and you know, just having a nice discussion. But if you, you're interested in seeing all of the uh, charts and graphs, we do have an on-demand webinar that you could, um, we just had that live a um, couple of days ago. So you could go ahead to onecause.com, resource webinars, and um, view the um, on-demand version of that live webinar that we just had a few days ago. But I also know that there's a full report and a full study available. So who's going to take us through where we can get that? Sure, I can do that. Uh, If you head to onecause.com forward slash research, you'll find our whole research center there. So not just the fundraising outlook uh, study for this year, past years as well, giving experience. Uh, We've got some blogs, a video and infographic related to the study as well. So there's all kinds of um, stuff there for you to check out uh, in various formats to get all of the data uh, to consume. Yep. And if any questions, hello at onecause.com. Is that a good place for our audience members to go if they want to reach out and dive a little deeper or hit a topic that we didn't cover? Would that work? Absolutely. Of course. If they have any questions, anybody in the audience, please send it our way. Happy to answer. Well, we're also going to get all of this in the show notes. So there's lots of ways you can get access to all of the findings from the um, from the study. So our webinar research tab on the homepage. Um, and of course, check out the show notes as well. I wish we could chat for another 30, 40 hour uh, long, because this is just so fascinating. I'm already looking forward to the 2025 fundraising outlook. I want to check in on those challenges specifically and AI, but um, I guess we're going to have a great year before we do that. And um, I'm excited for our audience um, and all those fearless fundraisers out there to continue to grow their impact. And so to all of you out there, um, 
Happy New Year. That is about all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and uh, the 2024 Fundraising Outlook Conversation. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. And you can follow the channel that is your favorite um, amongst all the podcast channels because we're everywhere. We stream on 10 channels. We are on demand at onecause.com. We are also live from the Raise Conference. Now, Steve mentioned that earlier. If you're not familiar, the annual Raise Conference for nonprofits takes place in September each year. We're going to Nashville at the beautiful Country Hall Music Hall of Fame this year. Tickets are on sale. So please check that out before it sells out because it will sell out. And if you're a nonprofit and would like to appear on the show and we can talk about your impact and how you're building better tomorrows, please reach out to us. Hello at onecause.com. Fundraisers are doing amazing things and we would love to share your story on our show. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at onecause.com. And as we've mentioned, please visit the resource tab on the homepage. We have plenty of content and research that hopefully you can find helpful in what you do every day. A huge shout out and thanks to both my guests, my colleagues, my friends, Steve Lausch and Sarah Sebastian, uh, just for sharing so many interesting findings today and just a candid conversation about what we need to prioritize as fundraisers uh, in 2024. Sarah, Steve, thank you so much for being um, here today. I am going to ask the big question. Um, any last words of inspiration? Steve, go for you first. Oh, wow. For 2024, I would say try something new. Not ah. think about trying something new or not consider what you might do new, but try something new. We saw, Don, four out of five are open to new ways of fundraising. So nonprofit, if you're listening to today, if you're listening today, be one of the nonprofits who actually do something new and uh, let us know how that impacts yeah. your donor acquisition, your donor retention and so on. So that's what I would say, Don. Thank you. I love that. Sarah, we're going to wrap it up with you. I know you're going to have something good for us. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, I know it's a new year uh, as we're kind of embarking upon this new year. I know it's been crazy the past few um, it can feel kind of daunting uh, around the new year, in my opinion, but I just want everyone out there to remember that every act of generosity uh, that you are doing, you're contributing to the greater good. I know sometimes you can feel like a drop in the bucket, but that's how a bucket gets filled. Every little drop oh. and your mission matters. And so do you. So don't forget that this year, wherever, really. So oh, keep doing what, what you're a, doing. What a way to kick off the new year. Thank you so much, uh, Sarah. That was beautiful. Let's fill our buckets. Um, and I'll see you back here for the uh, 2024 giving experience study, I hope. Absolutely. You can count Fantastic. on it. Well, thanks again, guys, so much. That is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Dawn Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. Mm -hmm.